previously with the Quellus. And, uh, go ahead and open the window. May I come in? <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> that seems fair. How are you? Well, and you? Tired. I've had a long journey, but I come bearing a gift. And as he speaks, Smokey, you see two uh, pointed fang-like teeth. You can call me Desark. Uh, at that, Mira's eyes just kind of go wide and she takes a step back. We were visited by um, Desark. If oh you know boy, that name echoes in Tyrek's memory. Tyrek, you have heard all kinds of stories about Disark. He's <laughs> tied very deeply with the the shadow, the plane of shadow. His name is attached to some really nefarious deeds during um, the Dompier uh, purge. Some of it yeah. seemed sloppy. Uh, all of them were war crimes, and and you never got the impression that it was uh, anything organized. It seemed like a fit of passion. Uh, okay. Did we cause another explosive uh, <laughs> crater on the map? Uh, did we damage the earth again? Oh, I mean, there was a definitely like a sinkhole of sorts that formed as the forge filled with <laughs> seawater. Okay, but but nothing nearby uh, I, Chicken Town's no, level. No, oh, no, okay. nothing, nothing like that. <laughs> it was it, it was big. It's like a, I I like to. Um, I was thinking about how, because I, I thought, well, should they have blown up the whole forge? I think what they did was the equivalent of, like, shoving explosives down the barrel of, you know, anti-aircraft artillery and just bending the barrel. <laughs> it makes it effectively useless uh, without doing, like, absolute tons of damage. So it was, like, what, like an EMP-like kind of thing? Oh, like an EMP, you mean? Energy or something? It <laughs> sounds like you're talking about an EMP. Yeah, I mean, EM, yeah, EMP may not be the best analog to it, but yeah, it filling filling the forge with water and putting out those smothering those fires. Think about like if you have something that runs that hot all the time, it's got some liquid, you know, moving parts and cooling them down very quickly. Um, will not be good for it uh, at all. Uh, all right, so you guys head on back into town. To Ilfstrad. Um that that fifth presence that you're feeling, it kind of follows you the whole way. Now, once you make it into town and uh kind of Chris Thompson, you're gonna laugh at this because uh of what you know I've been reading lately. Um there's like a threshold in the town that sort of um as you cross it, <laughs> that fifth presence sort of disappears. Interesting. The, like into the safety of this town where people people have made their home kind of in mm -hmm. this inhospitable place. So um, once that happens, Tyrek, I think you're pretty well able to deduce that the presence you were feeling was like the direct eye of Nalash <laughs> was on you. Like okay. like watching you very, very closely. Closer than, than he has been in a long time. Okay. Because you're very you're very used to that magic. You're you know you felt it before. Just it's been a, a while, but Tyrex's memory is nigh nigh perfect. So or nigh yeah. perfect. So, um, <laughs> you you would immediately recognize that sensation uh, once once it was gone. 
as soon as it's gone, it's like, oh, that's what that was. <laughs> ah, I see now. Yeah. Rick will remember this. <laughs> hmm. Okay. So tell me, are you reconsidering your unwillingness to bargain? Um, there's no response, but uh, the that feeling of um, it's not quite what you were feeling before out there as that fifth presence with you. But there's definitely like um, it feels as though someone was making eye contact with you from like a distance and then just kind of looked away. Um, almost uh, not. I won't say embarrassed. I don't think embarrassed is the right word, but definitely uh, abashed might be a better description. Of the feeling that passes through whatever that connection is. So, um, yeah, you guys make it back to town. Everything's fine. You get back to the, that house uh, with uh, Boot was his name. The the, the head of Boot sitting um, still on the windowsill, I believe, where Disarc left it. Um, Luke has been. I don't know, Luke. What do you? What have you been doing so far in this in the town while everyone was away? Because it's only it's been a couple um, a couple hours, I would say. Well, let me. I would have probably just been since we were kind of worried that everybody um, worried for people's protection. I probably would have, you know, just set um, setting up like a blade barrier and just trying to protect everybody in general around town and just prepping healing potions and everything else. So probably just, you know, not sitting on my hands, um, just trying to be prepared, you know, be the Boy Scout here. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so yeah, once everyone shows back up, um, you are relieved to see everyone's fine, maybe a little bit like scratched up or whatever. Um, everyone's still kind of soggy. Uh, they let you know what happened. Um, they show you the brain crystals and that two more um, war masters are down. So as of right now, the remaining war masters to you are Grieve, Sabaton, and Vambris. Um... So, yeah, um, you guys are all here together now, and you know that Vambris, a.k.a. Vario, is not on this continent anymore. I believe that was... I, if I didn't make that explicit on the last um, session, then I will change that in post. But, yeah, I, I want to say that that was pretty clear, I think, right? Yeah. Okay. Through the remains of the, the past Warforged, is there a way we can... Um almost like scry or um, find out on their whereabouts? Ooh, you know what? That's a really good question. I think the person you would need to talk to about that is someone who has a rather interesting connection with them. Uh, and that could be someone within your party here right now, potentially, but you definitely know someone who has a massive connection with them and has for a long time, uh, and that would be Rotney. Uh, Rodney Egam, who is currently residing in Cloudhenge. Rodney's a good source of information. Uh, I can do a pretty decent job with his help. I can probably tell you to within a few meters where they are. Probably. Let's head over to Rodney, I guess, unless anyone needs to do any errands I'm... around here. So, I'm ready to go home. I've, I've had enough snow the last few years of a while. <laughs> so, I'm certainly preparing for our trip back, but what uh, what can I do in the way of narrowing down locations while we're preparing? Oh, man, okay, so 
I think one of the best ways that you could start honing in on um, other Warforged sort of connected through this. So you've got your you have Gauntlet's Brain Crystal, and that's encased in was it basalt? I think um, you've got your your memory runes that are traced on it. Um, let's see. You could start by using that, um, but instead of opening that connection like you had done to bring in Pauldron, um, if you were to touch the mind in that crystal and... Man, I'm trying to think. This, You know what? This might be a little strange even for Tyrek because I think in order to do what you want to do, you have to do something that you probably didn't think you would have to do with someone that you hated so much. Um, mm. And that is to touch that crystal with your mind with the intent of some kind of empathy or compassion. Because what you're trying to do is locate and location or locating in the way that you are in uh, sort of implies a, a level of concern, right? And, yeah. and I think, yeah, okay. I think that's probably... As you're sort of looking at it, that that kind of solution comes to your mind. Sounds trying to get I, a lot of it's been essentially sympathetic vibrations, but literally sympathetic vibrations. Okay, I've got at least fragments of the mind crystals from several of the other Warforged now, or the War Masters now, which I can use to help build this thing up. Okay. You can probably grab the one off the windowsill, too. Yeah. It's head. <laughs> <sighs> All right, so then it's time to start. I'm going to reach out and find people. Okay, so I suppose I'm going to start trying to, to figure out how to how to make that work, how to, uh, how to convey to bits of gauntlet that are there that I'm not looking for a fight, and then I'm looking to try to... Oh, what would this be? Alright, I know there's not much of you there. <laughs> the best of times we didn't get along well. But I've seen... I've seen the Warforged. I've seen the way that they continue to wander and to be lost and to be purposeless tools for war with no war you know that throwing them continually into the into the machine into the grinder wasn't it wasn't the right thing it wasn't the way to give it purpose there's other things we can do there's other ways we can have meaning in our lives again and you found more oh man that concept of meaning leaves your head or rather you think it up right and you send that out and immediately uh man have you guys ever been um like had an octopus tentacle on your on your skin oh that, that, goodness. That, that, that strange <laughs> suctiony feeling not that kind of girl i said <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh no well you can imagine what that would feel like right <laughs> Um, it's that, but with your thoughts. Some something I immediately. I say tentacle. That makes it sound sinister. That's not how I mean this. Um, but it's it's as though 
thousands of tiny little suction cups have like reached out and and tried to grab onto that word meaning that concept and <sighs> sorry not not to step on your toes this is amazing i'm enjoying listening to this a lot so you can continue but that's if you need a hint of what what uh, path to continue on you know mm. if at any point tyrant looks uncomfortable if he's willing i'm gonna just reach out my hand and cast a spell on him if he trusts me enough to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's fine. Are, are you like wincing or like anything that would kind of alarm poor guts? Probably. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to cast this just, just to be safe. Oh, I like that. Oh, man, okay. I know we could be old soldiers in this. We could bend ourselves and fighting and dying in a ditch forgotten and meaningless serving pointless feuds we could decide as some have to choose the battles that we fight and to die again ultimately meaningless on a field still but for our own fight for for the sake of fighting and conquest but we don't have to there's now, an immediate feeling of the collective breath you know, not that Warforged need to breathe, but as though they're going <sighs> and kind of that that's caused a reaction as well. I know that some of you will dismiss what I'm saying, reject me because I'm not of the forge. And that's true. But like you, I am a child of the battlefield. That's where I was born and that's where I was shaped. That's where I became who I am and really is where you became who you are. Oh, you probably know by now, my name is Tyrex Skybreaker. I'm a veteran of the Koryanyanid War, like you. I'm the commander of the Iron Vigil, one of those called the Quellis. And like you, my life was bound to and defined by the fields of war. I was captured and tortured. I don't know for how long. I was beaten and broken until my mind failed. And I lost myself, and then I lost me, and lost myself. And I was seduced into a pact with one of Korg's lapdogs, convinced and bedded in a machine of violence for the sake of violence. And I became like an animal, and I swore that it was a vengeance that I would seek their undoing no matter the cost, and I'd wage war against the very god of war. For years, this was lofty ideals, but little more for a blade can seldom bite the hand that wields it. It's futile. The death of Gauntlet is just felling. He's healed with still some, but his death and the discovery of all of you who were hidden away in Havard Cross, it brought me, I thought, the means to challenge the gods in truth not mere fanciful words. Uh, it, I thought that I had found my way to bring my war on my terms. And so I plotted and hid and put on a face of compassion and mercy, all while planning ways to turn you into, yet again, into cooler machines than you've ever been used as and to use you for my purpose to crush and to destroy 
and to tear down anything in my path, anything in my way, regardless of who it hurt or what cost it came at. See the world burn to get my vengeance, to get my peace. But I'm sick of it. It's pointless. And what's the reason? What value is there in a triumph on the field if there's nothing left afterwards? Violence for violence never has a reward. It never solves anything. It never brings, it never satiates. It never brings purpose. You become empty, servant only, nothing. This, this connection that I've made here, I didn't realize there was a connection that, to anyone at first. I thought it was just a space that I could hide to make my work and to plan and sketch things out. Uh, something changed. Don't know when. Certainly not sure how. I don't know if it was through pretending to be a good man, putting on a face that the people around me could see that the other quellists and the, the townspeople in Cloudhenge and the other places we went to, or possible that just as I could touch your minds, that all of you touched and influenced mine, but I started to become the man that I was pretending to be. I started to become a man who desires peace and to bring an end to conflict, to bring an end to war for war's sake to bring a time of growth and peace and new life where no one's bound by their past, where who you were doesn't matter, it's who you are and who you're going to be. And I know that the Warforged, the you were made on the machines and forged on the fields of battle, but you're more than those machines you're you are your own and you are unique each of you and you have an unrelenting drive and turning that to something creative and something of your own desire your own expression i think that would be worth any cost so i don't know i've probably ruined most things now but I'm done hiding in the shadows. If anybody else is willing to talk with me more, you'll always know where to find me. There is a flood. Wow. <clears throat> First of all, chills. Second of all, tears. Third of all, wow. Um, there is a flood of sensation that comes back at you. Uh, think of it as like, as you were sending this out, you felt as though you were... How do I describe this? You felt as though you were a drop of oil in soapy water where the soap is repelled or not repelled, but it keeps its its distance from you. And you could feel just beyond this like awareness that you had sending these thoughts out. You could feel that that shoal uh, of attention just beyond there, moving and shifting and, and drawing in, you know, a, a collective breath and reaching out and grabbing for, for like, strands of thought and concept that you've been sending out. And when you finish the thought, it all comes crashing back into you. 
and there's a few distinct things that happen. The first off is that you know, like, just know, um, that Grieve and Sabaton are dead, and that it's just happened, or recently. Secondly, there's a shock that has gone through this entire community of awareness, um, and units that um, at one point you you recognize like the consciousness of certain units that you had come across in Havard Cross, um, and it's no longer just a template or like a a pre-programmed thing anymore. There is seeds of awareness in in everything. Um, and the one, and like I said, the one that gives you that impression is because you recognize this one. Um, if you, you, it's as though you're standing at the center of a giant spider web, and you are holding like thousands of little threads. And if you were to tug on any one of them, it would take you to this, you know, wh- whatever consciousness that this one belongs to. And and that's the way that you can find the Warforged. I don't know what to call that. <laughs> I don't know how to um, put that in your character sheet, but that's where that's where Tyrek is right now, and this particular state of um, state of mind that you have to be in, um, you know that that's not going to be hard to attain, um, just with Tyrek's constant practice at um, meditating and things like that. Since he doesn't sleep, um, it's something that you're not a stranger to. So getting back to this isn't going to be difficult for you. So you have just developed, just very, very swiftly developed a brand new tool for yourself um, to do this thing. Eirik is the one. <laughs> he's the, he's not the zero anymore. He's the one. <laughs> um, and I want to, I want to touch on something real quick where you said, I've been trying to reach out and touch all of your minds and maybe it's just that you guys have all reached out and touched mine back. And it's very much exactly like that. Um, where you are, you are, they are sharing this with you. And therefore you are sharing yourself with them. Um, and there's uh, a level of trust there that I think, I mean, I don't want to speak for Tyrek, but there's a level of trust in there that is unparalleled in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So... With that being said, that was amazing. Um, Tyrek, your um, your message box has a new message in it. Oh yeah, the message box. You got mail. <laughs> <laughs> Dial up. <laughs> um, the message is from was it Ezra Raker? No. Yes. Yes? Shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh yeah, it had to be Ezra Raker. Or was no, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't catch, it was Raker. Okay. Um the message is from Ezra, where he basically it's a really short message. It looks as though it was written um in haste. Um there's some smudging on the message that looks like maybe it was blood. There's definitely some ash. Um, and the whole thing, like you, you pull it out of the box, and I think everybody who is sensitive to the arcane immediately, um, like, <laughs> I don't want to equate it to a bad stench, but like it, it fills the room with this like energy. Um, 
that I don't really know if you guys have words to describe how it feels, but it's though something, man, it's almost like sunlight, right? You pull it out and like this, it's like being hit by sunlight. It lights up the whole room and the, the note just says, um, Jackal is dead. Um, and right below that says Grant, and then there's a, a line as though he got interrupted and shoved the note in the box. What? It's gonna make, make <laughs> some kind of ingredient thing, but now I'm sad. Ooh. And amidst all the other sensations that you've been feeling in this moment, that's the other one that hits you. The moment, the moment that you read it, you read Jackal is dead, um, immediately you are aware of the absence of your friend's presence in the world. And I don't, no. I don't even mean that on like a psychic level, um, but yeah. his this this uh, this presence so, that Jackal has had just a constant baseline in all of your lives. Um, and I don't know, obviously, whenever Tyrek, if Tyrek decides to share that information, the moment that anyone else reads that, it the same will be true for them. Um, it's just not, it's not there anymore. Oh, dead. Soren's dead. What? No. Oh. I don't know. That. That's all it says. It's wrong. You can feel it, can't you? No, it's wrong. At that point, Mira's gonna just fall to her knees on the spot and just look directly down at the ground. And no. Hey. So that we can reach back home. Are you sure? Oh. This is from Ezra from one of the one of my old squad mates, one of the members of the vigil. The other box from this jackal had the other box. We need to go back. Uh, I'll send just this single word message back through the box. How? No punctuation or anything, just how? It's absolutely uh, lighting his pipe and turning away from the group. Okay, so you send... You send that little slip of paper back through. Um, it's a little while by, before um, anything comes back. And basically, it's it's almost the same same word as before. It says Grant, and then then an arrow, and then the word Cloudhenge. Um, and it looks like it was written very, very hastily. Um, but nothing, uh, nothing definitive. Whatever's happened, Ezra's not really where he can give us an answer right now. Um, and perhaps going back to Cloudhenge or is in Cloudhenge get more information there perhaps his body's still around maybe we can bring him back we need to go we need to go now Luke, can can you take us back? absolutely been way too long um, Luke, you crouch down um, and put your hand on Mira's shoulder I would have already been doing that. I didn't want to interrupt. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that's yeah, that's totally fine. Kneel so, down and start praying. So from from your position next to Mira, um, you begin this prayer. Um, everyone kind of circles around. Um, there's a few people who have like heard some of the commotion. You know, like I'm trying to remember all who you were with in this um, this building. Um, uh, but anyway, these people who you were with, um, they, they are kind of like, they very clearly pick up that something very personal has happened and they're kind of staying away. Um, Luke begins his prayer. Um, Smokey, you feel a hand um, touch your back. Um, 
and I assume it's you know it's someone from the group, whether it's Gorguts or Tyrek or or even Luke from where he's standing. I don't know if he can reach you, um, but everyone is kind of connected in this moment. Um, and you, Luke, you hit that last word in your prayer, um, and immediately the the air around you warms a little. Um, certainly not as chilly as you um, are now aware of. It's almost like you're outside because you are now in the Grove of Pleth in Cloudhenge. Welcome home. Which, funny enough, are actually the first words that you hear that aren't from Luke's mouth as another temple priest um, walks around into these, to see the summoning circle um, and sees you all crouched there. Thank you. I don't know that we were expecting you back so soon. What's uh, what's the occasion? Sort of double occasion. We unexpectedly concluded the business we needed to up north far quicker than we expected and received sort of an urgent call to return. Without waiting around for this conversation to transpire, Mira's going to actually break into a run and head for the Mantle Guild Hall. All right. Um, so... The priest, obviously, like, nobody's stopping her. Um, the priest watches as she goes, turns back to Tarek. He asks that question, you know, we weren't expecting, or says that we weren't expecting you back so soon. And um, says, well, uh, I think Crow's in charge right now of the mantle. Um, I know Gregory Ketch had come by to let me know that you had been out of town. It's It's been, you know, a couple weeks, I think. Um, anyway, uh, Jackal is overseas right now with Ezra Raker. Something something came down the vine he mentioned that he needed to to be over over there in High Oron. Um we haven't had word from them in a while. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. If there's anything else you need, just let us know. Good to see you, Father Lunker. Too. Are you all following Mira, I'm guessing? Yes. Okay. So here's Here's where things um, are going to change up a little bit. Um, you guys follow Mira to the Guild Hall. Crow is there. He informs you of um, some of the events that have transpired recently. Um, that Jackal had received word from from a source. Crow wasn't sure who. And knew that he needed to go very quickly uh, overseas. So he recruited uh, Ezra Raker, as I believe um, Tyrek very likely um kind of left that as like the the new open or working relationship there um you know if you need anything let ezra know so ezra went with with jackal um they they used some sort of a teleporting spell um and went over to high oron to take care of some business um and the only other information that crow knew is that somehow it involved the the group calling themselves the liberators the Jin liberators do you tell Crow pretty quickly what's happened, or the, or rather the the um, the news that you have? Um, assuming Mira's the first one through the door, which yeah. I mean, if, if anyone else ran, they'd run faster than. <laughs> um, yeah, she basically just burst in the door and into the guildmaster's office, and seeing that Crow is there, not Jackal, just all but out at where is he yeah okay yeah um yeah let's play that out actually i like that um so you come bursting in and scream where is he and crow like he looks up he's writing something 
um, writing something down with a big old fancy um, crow <laughs> a crow feather quill because <laughs> why not um, and he looks up and he looks shocked and just based on the look on Mira's face the color drains out of his own um, and and he just kind of launches into this uh, it was it was just just uh, just yesterday two two days ago I'm losing track of time he was contacted by by someone some some informant or asset or something I don't know he doesn't tell me everything he, he said he had to go he went to Hyoran and he's like he's he's tapping his chin he's like he, he had something to do with those liberators those liberators people we've been keeping tabs on them um we tried to get in contact with them not that long ago uh god who was it it was one of the vigil was out there with them you don't know you don't know where he is i don't know exactly no the 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 words shrike temple came up i don't know if that's where he is or grant grant they mentioned grant where's grant if there's i mean he's the main informant over on that continent so if there's anything important that needs to be to be brought back i as, i assume he's on a ship on his way here or at at port over there still i, I don't know and it immediately starts he he bends down and starts writing a note um and summons up a uh like a familiar and it's of course it's a crow um and he attaches this message to the crow and sends it out um he's like we're we're gonna find out right now where grant is um and by the time i think unless there's anything else that mira wants to do i, I don't want to cut this short i think that's long enough for people to catch up yeah yeah by the time that anything else happens everyone else will be in this room mm-hmm. whereupon um, Crow will relate exactly everything he's told to uh, Mira. Who was it that was with the Liberators on the ship? Uh, that was Rexus. Rexus. Rexus Core. That's right. Okay. You guys are making my insides hurt, by the way. <laughs> like, my heart really feels freaking heavy right now. Pushes himself in the door, just panting. Should have casted haste. Why is she so fast? Probably because she casts haste. <laughs> <laughs> we've, been, we've been caught up with what she had informed. Mira just told. Yes. Business of the Liberators. We don't have any details of this business. Um, I think it doesn't take long for word to spread that the Quellis are back in Cloudhenge. Um... And I would say probably 30 minutes to an hour after you are all in the Mantle um, Guildmaster's office, um, Hetmastine walks in um, and sees, just like, sees the look on everyone's faces and the general, like, posture and air in the room. And uh, all it's almost as though he stops right in the doorway. Like, he, he doesn't want to let himself come in and um, intrude on this but at the same time he um is very clearly happy to see you all um and wants to make his support known and so he kind of just he stops at like this in this like like this halfway point this transition point between rooms um i think Smokey, he probably catches your eye first um 
I'll try to, I guess, probably well-practiced at having to deal with bad news mixed with a reunion. Um, try to kind of straighten myself up a little bit. Um, but I think I would still stay on topic and ask Hit if he, if he knows any business regarding um, Jackal heading out business relating to the Liberators. Um, and there'd be maybe a little tone of kind of not so much urgency, but um, hurt behind the question. Yeah. Um, if it's something that was tied to the city or tied to the mantle or anything like that. Yeah. He, um, you notice now, you actually notice now at this point that he's holding um, kind of a, a large, or like not large, but like a long, uh, semi wide package of a kind it's like wrapped in this brown um this brown paper and he's kind of he's not really holding it behind his back but it's like it looked like maybe he came up to give it to someone and then once he sensed the air in the room kind of put it behind him to not like make it the forefront of what's happening um and so you you ask him about you say you know what news do you have of jackal um and immediately i think just the the way that that question is phrased um and seeing the demeanor in the room, uh, it, it, it just, he puts all the pieces together and he's just like, well, the last I saw him was um, maybe two or three days ago. I met him. Uh, he and, and uh, Cook of Seasons have been spending some time together uh, lately. And we'd been, we'd been having discussions about the upcoming election to an extent, nothing too in depth, I suppose, but. Just trying to make sure that the city is ready for it. Um, so yes, it was it was two days ago when, well, and he he hands you the package that he's holding. He's like, well, Cook finished this, and Jackal was going to hang on to it till he could give it to you. Um, but then he went out of town, and I, I received a note from him that that had said um, to put that into my care. So um, I, I suppose you can you can have this now. Um, but I I hadn't seen him since since we spoke just a couple days ago. The only reason I knew that he left was because one of the one of the stewards brought brought me this. As he gestures to the package. Hmm. Um. Well, let's see any reason I'm delaying it. Check the contents. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you open it up. Um. And there is a it's a, a very large. It's it's a, there's it's a device you've never seen before. Um, it's a large plank of wood with um, a a long metal tube strapped onto it, um, and there's a some kind of a metal lever. Uh, the way that the stock, the stock, the way that this wood is carved, um, it's got sort of a, a a gentle kind of sweeping motion, sweeping uh, curve on one end, where. Um, it looks like maybe you could rest it on your shoulder and there's a metal lever where you could maybe grab it and it looks as though it's got some kind of a, a hammer that has flint attached to it. And you remember Cook mentioning something about wanting to, to build some cool new, um, you know, cool new weapon for you. And so you assume that that's what that is. And that's when uh, Hetmastine just says, uh, he said, Cook calls it a, a rifle. A, a what? Introducing this. <laughs> 
Yeah, this was um, this was something Smokey was supposed to have gotten um, before you guys left for Farinos, but <laughs> I just royally screwed up the timing. Uh, people just make me feel better, um, but mostly. Um, I guess I'd probably pick it up and try to size it up and keep repeating to myself, a rifle, and kind of holding it haphazardly, like, like not exactly sure what just I'm totally doing. flagging luke in the face <laughs> yeah, just, I, mean, it's, it's, I mean obviously we all have reference for how a rifle should be held and this is like i'm holding it like underneath my hip like what what and I'm kind of looking to hit do you does this come with any documentation or any did he did he did he tell you anything <laughs> um yeah I, I, I mean i've been visiting cook often as he's been creating the prototypes for this um he's he's gone through quite a few um this is this is what it what i had envisioned in my head for this thing by the way it's the the rifle from hiboshi's oh, of course Town. of course um it's got the pipe carver family crest carved both into the the wooden stock and also etched into the metal on the receiver um and so yeah so I guess kind of while you guys are waiting for news, um, that's what Hetmastine does. He he kind of just goes over what this is and shows you all how um, Cook says it works, that you put um, powder in the pan. Um, you have to load the, the wadding and um, and the, uh, the bullet. I know there's another name for it. I'm just blanking on everything, but, but the whatever. Anyway. Um, and then shows you how to hold it on your shoulder and uh, and just kind of goes through the motions. Um, hands you a big old bag of balls, musket balls, whatever, rifle rifle balls, and uh, and some uh, some gunpowder. Big old pack of balls. I mean, it's one way to make me feel better is to give me a, a gun that can kill people. I guess. <laughs> <It's>... um... <laughs> Okay, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Ooh-wee! Plus text. You're saying, God damn. I mean, I can't shoot 20 of these things in the air at once. But, I, mean, <laughs> I, will, I won't be picky, that's fair. Do we want to we kill one individual? Or... Okay, cool. Now I really need to fix my sheet after this so I can get this on there. Yeah. Um, it, it's also got um, hooks, metal hooks on it for um, where you can attach a strap to it. Um, and basically, I want it to be that you... Um, you won't have to spend an action to unequip and equip a bow because of the way that you could just kind of throw it back over your shoulder if you needed to um, and grab your bow and immediately have that ready. Um, if, so, yeah, if you need to, like, fire once and 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 ditch it if you don't want to spend the time to reload it. Um, throw it over your shoulder like a continental soldier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's... <laughs> going into the repertoire of a uh, um hey who'd we just elect oh you know that guy that just like literally was gifted the world's first gun is this thing cook cook just introduced firearms into the world yeah like, do you know how many deaths cook is going to be single-handedly responsible for yeah um so that was those were uh <laughs> Smokey's was the first one to be finished and and be ready, and then when um, the runner who who Cook or Jackal had sent to find 
Smokey before he departed for Theranos when they failed to get there in time. Um, Ezra was uh, inquiring about what what Cook had been doing, and Cook made him a, a pair of pistols, I think it was. Um, so, uh, and then and then yeah. kind of let it go. So the the time timing wise, Smokey's was done first, and everything. This you were supposed to have this before anyone else, um, but. Ezra's flavor was so good I couldn't say no so <laughs> um yeah um I'll probably fiddle and tinker with this get used to it I guess while we're we're waiting for news um yeah yeah it's it's gonna keep my brain occupied for a little bit here um okay so you guys have have seen this happen um you know uh Hetmastine's been in this room kind of trying to I won't say lighten the mood, but trying to keep you dis- you all distracted in some form, like, and not necessarily even entertaining. Just he's just trying to talk to, uh, you know, he's he's been he's old and he's been on the you know on the sea enough to know what it's like to lose people um, or to be unsure of someone's fate, and so he is doing everything that he knows in his many years of life to try to. Um, bear some of that weight for you. So, uh, when he kind of wraps this up, um, I'd say it's been, yeah, over the course of like an hour or so, he's talked about this. And, um, at this point, Tyrek gets another note in his box. That's from Grant. It's very immediately clear that it's Grant's handwriting. And, um, the note basically just uh, gives a very brief description of what he heard from Ezra as um, Ezra passed on um, some items, as as he puts it. Uh, but basically, the uh, Ezra Raker and Jackal had gone to Haya Oron, very briefly met up with Grant to let them know they were in town. Um, something went down grant was on his way to the shrike's temple as that's where he knew that um things were heading uh and by the time that he got there the temple was collapsing uh and that's when ezra came out and met him um and passed him some items let him know what happened um and said immediately get back to cloudhenge and passed off the the message box um Grant had some trouble getting out to port with the Shrike's Temple collapsing. Uh, literally sent the entire city into like a riot and a panic. Um, he was able to get to his ship on time um, before they shut the ports down. Um, his whole crew was aboard. Everyone's fine. Um, he's on his way back now, and he, he says um, with best speed, he should be able to make it back in two days. Um, whereupon he will be able to go into some more detail. Now, that was pretty wordy for like the slip of paper that was not hastily written, but written down just to try to provide enough detail. Right. Um, mm-hmm. For the next two days, because I don't think you all want to sit in Crow's office for this long. Um, what what do you guys expect to be doing uh, over the next two days while you wait? Gore guts as much as there's like, because there's a weird kind of split in power over the gastromancy guild with him and cook i think he would try to see a way of because i think jackal was one of the few who would really um visit cook when he just kind of shut everyone out and 
seeing the danger on um, Cook possibly overreacting over that detail. He'd probably, he's probably trying to rack his brain to either not find about Jackal's fate or somehow let him know, but gently. Okay. Otherwise, it could be kind of bad, but he, he's he, he's used to cooking. He's not a people person. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, man, I actually, okay, so here's, let me, I'm going to describe something for you and you let me know if you like the idea or not. Um, maybe considering that Cook is uh, part of the Gastromancy Guild and he he's basically, I mean, he's basically an engineer, right? Like that's what he does. He tinkers with things and creates things. So what if over the next two days, Cook, uh, Gorguts got Cook to, um, to agree to help prepare like a really big citywide banquet, like a big, like, like let's feed the whole city. Right. Um, and puts Cook on some, some difficult tasks. Like, Hey, uh, I have this, this new recipe I learned in this city called, um, God, I don't even remember the name of my own towns anymore. Ilfstrad, you know, it was this this kind of cold place and they had this weird chowder thing. I thought it would be cool if you could add some sort of a magical touch into it. Um, and basically just giving him some like complicated tasks, something that's going to put his brain to work. And as they're working on it together, he could break the news that way. That way, not only is Cook's mind occupied, but he's also like in the middle of doing something that um, means a lot to him. And so potentially, in at least the way that I'm envisioning this, potentially that could help soften that blow um, and let him absorb that information differently as they sort of prepare this feast. What do you think? That's good. Um, so I know before, after, you know, the whole uh, false Hydra, before he was kind of like locked up in his forge because mm -hmm. he, like, you guys brought him back, but... He's always looking over his shoulder. He's always jumpy, expecting it to return. Right. And to finish him off. So, yeah. Um, so, it, it doesn't even have to include uh, if Cook wasn't willing to leave. Maybe Gorguts could be bringing things to to the, like, the building, to the room where Cook is staying and, like, spending time with him and preparing dishes that way. Mm -hmm. And then and then Gorguts just takes them back with him to, you know, wherever they're setting up this banquet at. You know, potentially that could be how he's spending some time with him and trying mm -hmm. to be sensitive of what Cook's got going on, but also trying to, like you said, break it to him gently. And Cook has, before it was more for profit, but he was, he, he started getting into the business of tr trying to protect others by making, uh, weapons of war which you guys just saw some examples <laughs> of that so if there was a way if uh, Gorguts could try to remove easy access from from Cook getting a hold of them during that time just because of he's not in the right state of mind nowadays right right yeah absolutely I think that's definitely possible Gorguts you know, I know you said he's not a people person, but I think just with the amount of adventuring he's done with the Quellus at this point and, like, learning that dynamic and seeing how Cook um, very probably got along with these people, I don't think it would be a stretch to say that he could 
very easily um, kind of walk in and talk his way through while Cook's distracted, start, you know, start hiding some things. Gorguts has magic, so um, it would be funny if he was, like, casting invisibility spells on, like, certain parts that maybe Cook looked like he needed to make these weapons or whatever and something like that. Like you said, just slowly kind of hide things until maybe all there is left to do is is actually do some cooking. Um, speaking of not in the best mental state, um, <laughs> unless anybody is darn near physically dragging her out, Mira is not leaving her room in the guild hall. Every once in a while, and pr- probably, probably Gorguts would be interesting on, oh, you know, what would she like to eat in all that? He's probably been researching, looking up if there's like any recipes that involve blood. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe knocking on the door or leaving it, but you know, not intruding on her privacy during these difficult times. Yeah, she would definitely uh, accept food and thank him politely, but then close the door and be back inside. Probably called something stupid like the blood bowl or something like that. <laughs> it's just a proper English breakfast. Yeah. yeah. Blood sausage. I re- will remember this. Oh. <laughs> it's called um, CFG. It's Cloudhenge Fried Goblin. <laughs> also, occasionally, if anyone were to like knock and not get a response and check in on her they might see a door that hadn't been there on the other side of the room <laughs> mostly because she just recently learned demiplane and it's a good way to be alone for a little while <laughs> i love it that's a good spell um luke what does your time look like during this uh these two days waiting for grant um interesting um i mean i would definitely have been trying to check on Mira and it's awkward because I, my personality also is kind of like getting in there to where I'm like, ah oh man, I wouldn't want to like bug her. But at the same time, like I'd want to check on her if she'd want to pray at all, like try to process through any of those emotions. Um, I feel like that's kind of what Luke would be doing as being like a man of God. Um, and also a friend. I mean, I feel like Mir and Luke kind of share a stronger bond now. So I feel like that would be the most, mostly what I'd be trying to do. And then the reason I was saying like my personality kicks in is because I wouldn't want to be like sitting still. So I'd be wanting to like do some things and kind of just stay busy. So, but I don't want to push that onto Luke's character, but I feel like that's also kind of He's like, my character, so that's yeah, what he's going to do. Yeah, I feel like that fits, fits the duel. Especially, honestly, especially like you said, they share they share a certain bond right now. Because, I mean, Luke literally brought her back from the dead. Yeah. I mean, like, that that happened. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think there's definitely a connection between you guys um, just in that, um, you know, bonds forged in battle. But also, you guys have shared... Um, a lot of downtime together too. Um, and given that you're both, um, well, Mira classed into cleric, right? She's got cleric spells. She has a level of life cleric yeah. and is directly 
related to the domain warden of life. That's right. Who yeah. serves under Plath. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's more than just the battle, you know, the battlefield connection and. Um, well, yeah, if they both share connection with Plath too, then that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I think um, a lot of maybe a lot of that restlessness that you're feeling um, isn't just. If, if you want if you want me to give you an out for you feeling like you're forcing your own personality onto Luke um, maybe some of that restlessness that you're feeling is literally just um, her her own inner tor- turmoil sort of stirring yeah. up that that tranquil uh, that tranquil lake that is that is pleth that you know right um, and because you two are close you feel that and it's bleeding over to you and um, and so yeah yeah, just a, a deeper form of, of kind of empathy there. She will, um, at least for the moment, adamantly refuse to do any kind of communicating with the, the life domain board. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Um, Smokey, what are you up to for the next two days? Oh, I think Smokey... Um... But he's definitely messing with that new rifle. Um, but I think <laughs> to, to kind of drown the these repeat sorrows that wouldn't say he's accustomed to, but he's definitely experienced before. Um, he he'll look towards uh, what his business usually is, which is the city. Um, checking in with Hit to see if there's anything small or big he can do. Um, maybe even putting his nose in the work that doesn't necessarily need his involvement, but for the sake of kind of keeping him busy so the day will pass quickly, the two days will pass. Um, he would still be interested to see how Mira is doing, but seeing uh, Gorgut's kind of taking care of her smaller needs would probably reassure him that he's not really needed here, that he understands that this is a time for space, um, and that will pass. Um, but at the same time, he is being a little selfish, seeing his own, uh, his grieving stage is basically him keeping busy with work, what he can find in the city. Yeah. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, I think there's still, like, even though, like you're saying, Hemestein has pretty, uh, without maybe without even saying it so much, but has just made it known to you that, like, hey, look, you know, we've got this. Um I don't think it's hard for Smokey to find things to do around the city. Um, you are, as you're kind of, I'm actually really glad that you said said this. As you're walking around the city, um, everything looks really good. Um, but you're seeing evidence of some kind of a, a battle that happened here recently or some kind of a struggle that happened in the city recently. And I don't remember if, if Tyrek had mentioned... To anybody about what happened in Cloudhenge when you guys fought Pauldron, um, where when he opened up Gauntlet's brain crystal and it screamed to attract Pauldron, um, it also kind of made all of the uh, the empty, you know, so so-called empty Warforged units that were being brought in from Havard Cross, uh, they kind of went crazy, and there was like a very a very short, um, but I don't want to say devastating. It was a, it was a surprise that happened, and it was it was completely unexpected. 
Uh, it didn't last very long. It was put down for pretty quickly and fairly bloodlessly. Um, I don't think anybody died, including any Warforged units, but there were definitely people who were hurt. Um, and lots of damage, uh, which has been patched over, which is evidence uh, to both the Mantle and the Vigil's uh, work in the city, um, as well as citizens just taking pride in their own city at this point, um, and kind of everyone pitching in. But you, you still see evidence of it. There's like, you know, scarring on, on some of the outer um, tier walls. There's um, some steps up to different tiers that are like, they look like they're blasted out in some areas. Um, there's a couple trees uh, in some of the parks that look like maybe they had been caught fire before. Some scorch marks here and there. Evidence of magic spells that had been cast. Um... And probably uh, you see some Warforged walking around with damage on them as well as it's not as easily repaired. Um, but overall, uh, nothing nothing crazy. And it's to the point where um, if you were to ask about it, the way that people talk about it, it makes you feel like, okay, like maybe it really wasn't that big of a deal. Like it's, it's taken care of and people aren't like, nobody's nervous about it, if that makes sense. I think it's some important background that, um, as a hit, would probably reassure Smokey that this is a reminder you need to focus on the bigger picture. Your sights might be set on something larger than Cloudhenge. You need to remind yourself. Um, and as I'm trying to focus on something that happened in the past in the city that was beyond my control, I'm kind of reminded that my responsibility and the responsibility of my group has extended much, much further past than Cloudhenge, and I'm still kind of struggling to kind of um, adjust my sights, I guess. Yeah. It's it's comforting to focus on the city, but it's that's very much a stage of grief, I think, right now. Definitely. Um, but I think there's definitely um, maybe some people asking questions and some lookouts are curious why up on the third tier they hear this... Um, this rifle ringing out every <laughs> now and then over the hills. I'm messing with it, trying to figure it, make it my own. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love that. They call down thunder. <laughs> over Smokey's gone postal. Um. Okay, let's see. Uh, Tyrek, what are you up to? Oh, I. It's bad news that Jackal died, but there's nothing that can be done in the mean until in, in these intermittent day intermittent in between days. Uh so Tyrek's just gonna work on the things he needs to work on. So he'll be getting in contact with I forgot his name. <laughs> cross. Rot Rotney. Uh, Rotney. <laughs> yeah, so you. so actually Rotney's here in Cloudhenge now. Yep. Um his I whole know. his whole Oh okay, okay. And you're like, hey, I've got this thing. I've been doing a lot of work with this. I want to try and help get these guys uh, a little more stable and their minds going a little better and get some of your thoughts on making all of this work better. And he's just going to kind of do his work because there's nothing else that he really can do at the moment. So he's going to proceed with the things he has. Yeah, I like that. Um, Rotney shows you to the uh, the workshop that he has going, um, and as you are telling him about 
this like web of connectedness that you have. He, like his jaw, his jaw drops, and he's he's just like in awe. Um, and he's like, he's like, if I had known what you all would have been to my project a long time ago, I would have come to you much sooner. This is incredible. That's the kind of connection I've been, I've been trying to forge myself with these with these people. I oh. think we can do a lot of good with this. Indeed. Um, that's my hope is to start setting right some of the things that have been set very wrong. There's been a lot of trauma and damage among these people, which I'm I'm sure at this point you you understand in a way that maybe even I cannot. Suffice to say, however however you want to proceed with this, I, I think I will defer to your judgment at this point. Um, my my research could benefit us greatly just in the the re, uh, repairing of um, any units that may that may need it, any any people that may need it. Um, but as I far think as you understand. no, I'm sorry. Continue. Sorry, I, I think you understand the mechanical structures uh, of the Warforged a good deal better than I do. Um, I'm not an engineer at all and have been I spent a lot more of this time uh, running in the dark yelling I know what I'm doing than I'm comfortable with um, however how would you like to see at least a little bit of the mind web oh man I think tears well up in his eyes and he's just like more than anything. So I give him one of the uh, the stones for connecting into the the convocation. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I think it drives him to his knees. He he's just like you see that it's like a moment of like he's met God. You know, at this point that that is you see on his face. Like I I don't know. I feel like I was pretty straightforward with this character from the get go. But if ever there was any doubt in Tyrek's mind about uh, Rotney's um, goals, I think immediately yeah. right there is when Tyrek knows who this guy is. Um, because he is... Yeah, it, it's... it's He's like the double rainbow guy. Double rainbow! <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a spiritual moment for him when he, he connects into this. And um, you... You feel him um, because you're because you have this connection. You feel him come into this web, um, and I think maybe if there was an expectation that like because he would come in and maybe not like know immediately what he was doing, um, that maybe he could have been a little like on the rough side as far as like sending out thoughts and things like this and and looking for things. Um, he doesn't come in like a bull in a china shop. His presence comes in as someone who is wearing just like the softest shoes and trying to walk as quietly as they can through the house um, because they they revere it and respect it so much. Um, that's what his presence feels like as you as you feel it kind of brush across your mind um, and and then reach out across this web of connectedness. 
Um, and yeah, and you you kind of feel him making contact with other units. Um, you get this idea that maybe he's been checking he's checking up on on units that he had sent out um, to see how they're doing, and um, and because of that, they they kind of are able to then touch his mind, and and they know how he's doing, and um, it's this really beautiful moment, and um, when he finishes, he. Um, holds the stone out. He's got it grasped in his right hand, but he kind of like holds his left hand out to like cup under his right hand as he like holds his hand open to like hand the gem back to you. Um, he's just being so so careful with it, and uh, he can't even bring himself to say thank you. He's just so lost for words. He just kind of once you take the stone, he puts his hand on your shoulder and and just nods at you and and. Uh, and as you walk away from this interaction with him, he he stands there looking out across um, the mountain range, um, just sort of contemplating what it what it was that he just had access to. Okay. Um, let's see. On on that note, there's a um. Well, I'm trying to think. Do you try to reach out and make contact with Vambris? You know, I probably should. Yeah. Okay. So, you um you bring yourself into this um like I I don't know do you go out to the I'm guessing you go out to the Iron Vigils stronghold mm-hmm. before trying this um so you get out there um you go into your trance um this concentration that is so familiar to you at this point um and you are standing holding that web. Um, and it's not hard to like figure out which which line belongs to Vambris. Um, the connection it, it's like considering how many you're holding, you'd think it would be crazy hard to figure it out, but like it's pretty obvious immediately um, which one is which. And you go, um, you go to you go to grab this line, and as you reach out, it dis- it disappears. The whole web sort of disappears, and you realize that it's because your concentration has somehow changed. And Nalish enters your thoughts. And uh, make an insight check as he as he kind of waltzes into this private moment of yours. Okay. So he walks in. <laughs> he walks in and um and looks at you and you see you see anger on his face. And he's like Tyrek, where did you go? I've been watching you. And ever since you left that, that little snow town, I can't, I can't see, I can't see where you went. If your memories are like a book for me to just open and read, I can't see. There's nothing written on the pages. Where did you go? What happened here? Uh, well... Why would I possibly tell you that for free? It's a bargain you want, is it? Don't forget where your power comes from, child. Make another insight check for me. Can I just say I love how much your Nalish voice sounds like a raging dick? <laughs> it really does. Um, yeah. His, um, his anger has, has sort of parted way and given into... Um, I don't know. I want to call it like 
annoyance, but it's almost as though there's like a curious factor in there. Okay. Let's strike another be another deal then. Hmm? Let's strike another bargain. Clearly, I've missed something here. Indeed. So, to begin with, the terms of our first contract, they are full. They are fulfilled. They are complete. I know when that bargain was struck, you... Let's call it what it is. You took advantage of me. You set up a um, contract with indefinite terms instead of uh, an exchange as they typically are. I forgive you. But that contract is fulfilled. You, you we will make forgive an me! He's indignant. Continue. I'm sorry. Up on that. We, we will make an amendment to that contract, uh, making it clear that its terms are complete. Because we've both gotten far more than we expected to out of it, and while it's good for it to remain as it is, the exchange that has happened, it, it's done. Now, if you wish to discuss going forward, um, we can talk about more equal terms, or we will probably even a reversal of positions yet again. I'm going to offer you protection, offer you a chance to be away from and separate from what Quark is doing. To get away from him now, because he's insane, and he's tearing everything down around him. There's no safety there, there's no shelter there. You are... You are a, a vast library of experience knowledge for the battlefield and there's much information there that would be very useful i don't need you 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 don't need me by the I way you. you invoke korg's name i want you to make one more insight check if it was possible for the color to drain out of a out of a spiritual being's face that happens daddy not on good terms now he looks over his shoulder, and it's at this point that you see what looks to be like some kind of a man. It, it's like some kind of a a dog, almost. Um, it doesn't take an insight check to to tell you that like Nalash is acting way out of character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's obviously not the first time that he's approached you about something before, but he is. What do you, He's like not deranged, but he is uh, knocked off of his rails. And there is some kind of like a a, a really large dog-like entity that is sitting in the background. That he he looks over his shoulder and looks at it, and looks back at you and licks his lips. And he's like, "I don't think you understand the gravity of your situation. You say you don't need me. Where's your power come from?" Without me, if it weren't for me, you'd still be rotting in that prison cell in Dilge. If it weren't for me, where would you be? Hmm? If it weren't for me, and he kind of, he like turns um, and like gestures broadly. And you see this very brief vision of um, 
of like fires spreading across the uh, the broken islands of Gyatsli. He's like, if it weren't for me, this whole world would be shaped differently. No? Choose your words carefully, mortal. 30 years ago, without you, I would have died. I would have been... I would have died or been been a turncoat. I won't deny that. But that was 30 years ago. As for your proposal, Tyrek, yes, I can see why you think that that sounds like a good plan. However, my plans are changing. And he looks over his shoulder again. because They're changing rapidly. Who are are you so afraid of? Who is that? You've never brought anyone else in here to our discussions before. Who is that? Uh, He looks at you really long for a really long moment um and without actually turning his head to look over his shoulder he like he like darts his eyes like he's about to do it and then stops himself and he's like it wasn't that wasn't my choice i didn't bring them with there simply here that's getting off topic so you have power some of it given to you by core some of it some of it certainly your own but how have you gained and maintained your power? Mostly, mostly through violence and through fear. Yes, I'm not afraid of you. Oh man, he you have a hold on me. I'm not afraid. His whole demeanor changes when you say that, and he's like, "I think I've known for some time that you weren't afraid of me anymore." And I thought, I thought to myself that maybe that wasn't. Maybe I could still get by. I see now I was mistaken. No, Tyrek, I'm afraid our working relationship has ended. You clearly have your own plans, and you clearly aren't on, on topic with me anymore. So I really think that this has come to a close. And um, he lifts his, his hand up, and a mace appears in it. And he goes to bring it down, and there is a snarling sound as you see that dog like racing towards him and at the very last second before they make contact before his make mace makes contact with you um suddenly grant is standing in front of you and he's like he's gently shaking you he's like tyrick Ty- tyrick you are you all right man mm-hmm. oh uh hello hello i've I'm just okay. i've just made it in are you all right i wish the circumstances were better um let's let's gather everyone shall we and uh Let's meet in the the guild hall in, say, 10 minutes. Um, okay, so everybody is summoned. Um, that's uh, pretty much the entirety of... Well, I, I'll say a lot of, the, a lot of guild members are um, present at this point. They know that Grant is bringing some kind of word to them about Jackal. They just don't know what. Um, he meets the five of you uh, plus Crow... And um, the uh, any of your lieutenants who you all think um, would be in on a meeting like this, but I'm trying not to make it like a big broad address, uh, like address right now. Okay, so he he pulls you together. Um, he he looks at each of you um, kind of individually before he even says anything. Uh, just not like he's sizing you up, but more like um, he's trying to gather himself. And he's like, well, first I feel like. The obvious needs to be stated. We don't know where Jackal's body is. According to Ezra, who shall be 
um, back along here within the next couple weeks. He took a slower route back so he could f oversee um, High Oron in my absence. Oh, he he when he looks at you, Mira, his his shoulders um, slouch and um, Grant. For as far as you guys have known Grant, which I'm not really 100% sure like how well everyone knows him, but he's he's a sailor type like Het Mestine. Um, he's got a rigid posture almost at all times. Um, and he, so he slouches and it's almost as though like that right there carries the weight of the message. And he pulls out a small, um, silk, silken cloth, not small. It's a, it's a fairly large, um, silken cloth that, uh, he hands to Mira. And, um, as she unwraps it, she uncovers Jackal's mask, which has that, um, that nice little, um, it's a, it's the, it's a green stripe, right? Or is it a black, just a black stripe. Sorry. It's got the, the gray triangles on the, yeah. the right side of it, above and below the eye, over but the it's eyes. also, at this point, got a large crack that comes down through the, uh, like the upper left corner down across the eye. Um, as Mira unwraps that, she just falls completely silent. Like, hardly even breathing. And, uh, turns and carries it towards her room. And if, if nobody moves to stop her, she goes into her room and comes out a moment later carrying some sort of bag and walks out of the guild hall towards the, uh, the grove of Pleth. Outwardly, still uncalled. Grant, uh, he tells you about that uh, Jackal was called, he was given some information by an informant that he was going to be needed in some kind of an upcoming conflict uh, in the Shrike's Temple. From what Ezra told him, they arrived in the Shrike Temple in the middle of a battle again, uh, between the Liberators, the Jin Liberators, and two of the Warforged uh, Warmasters, Grieve and Sabaton. Um, they were both taken down. Uh, one of them was destroyed by a dragonborn, uh, a copper copper scale dragonborn man, um, who Ezra uh, let them know was named uh, Ignis. Then they were uh, they were taken into because uh, what had happened was that Ezra and Jackal had been transported into this room where they met um, a Medusa woman um, named Medusa, who. Um, was in, like in the middle of this it looked like she was part of this ritual at first until they realized that she had followed someone um to the chamber and then and then was trapped but because jackal had a an inquisitor's ring he was able to activate the door um to get to open that and get out um but then uh was able to locate the rest of the group just based on the fighting that was going on they got into a fight uh they they were able to destroy the war masters they came back to the room because the group had relayed that there was uh, a very important artifact that had been taken to that room um, by way of their cleric's staff. The cleric's name was uh, Roran Nerabil. Um, and in the midst of the battle, there was a... Uh, he looked like an elf at first until he sprouted wings, uh, like dragon wings. And then he was, uh, he was hit by a really powerful spell... Um, Ezra had thought his name was like Jeff or something like that. Jeffrey, maybe. Um, 
he had been struck by a powerful spell. He looked like he was knocked out. And as he was falling, he was caught by a really rather large um, blue dragon that looked as though it was recovering from some grievous wounds. Um, it tore a hole uh, through between planes, uh, grabbed him, and left. That was around the time that Jackal called out to Korg and, and then disappeared. And after he disappeared, a whole lot of people, there were soldiers who had been uh, flooding in through some, um, some open rifts inside of the, inside of the chamber. Um, they were all struck dead, like keeled over. Just, and then it sounded as though uh, the Liberators and Ezra continued on to fight against the avatar of the god of death, Garrisil. And it was during this fight that the, the Liberators cleric, Roran, um, received a grievous wound um, and was killed. Uh, Ezra had relayed that uh, after the battle, when the temple collapsed, the Liberators had loaded up onto a flying ship um, to take Roran's body back to his home in River Shroud. That was about the time that Grant arrived shortly after the temple collapsed. Ezra was able to relay all this information and pass off Jackal's mask. Um, but considering the mask was left behind and in the state that it was in, uh, Ezra seemed very certain that Jackal was not among the living anymore. And Grant kind of stops at this point and he doesn't really look, he looks like he's not really sure what to say, um, as he kind of looks at you and he's just like, I, I don't know what to do. And he looks at you expectantly. Mira walks into the grove in false calm and stands before the altar of the Domain Warden of Life and just quietly says, give him back, give him back. The kneels, holds the mask in her arms and radiant ethereal wings unfurl from her back and wrap around herself. And then she stands and screams, I am your blood. You can't ignore me. Give him back. I'll come there myself. I'll come find you. You can't ignore me. And then she flies into the air, takes a bag of holding and does Jackal's old trick. But instead of trying to avoid it, tucks into a ball and deliberately pops herself into the astral plane to go find her great-great-grandfather and make some demands. The skies of Cloudhenge are lit by a massive explosion and there is a hole in all of your hearts. And that's where we will end for tonight. Jesus. Traitor in the city. <laughs> well, it wasn't in the it wasn't in the city, so <laughs> there's a hole in the city and a hole in your heart. Oh my god. It's a fortunate thing that you uh, leveled us up enough for her to get her divine soul wins. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, oh my god. If anyone hadn't picked up on it already, um Grant would fill the rest of you in that uh, Mira and Jackal were a little more than just professional. <sighs> I I love you guys. <laughs>
so much for, <laughs> for letting me put you through this <laughs> every game. <laughs>